Thanks for checking out this message from Spring Mountain. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, swimmountcf.co.uk. Or join us every Sunday from 11am at Abbey Road in Barrow and Furness. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, then please email prayer at springmountcf.co.uk. Amen. Okay. I'm not being sexist by not saying, hey woman, it's the name of the person we're going to be looking at today. So I also think after last week, if you were here last week, I need to start by saying if you're a Man United fan, welcome. Um, Come in, enjoy, and there is no condemnation. Honest. Okay. <laughs> if you weren't here last week, then don't worry. Okay. Listen to the podcast, which is available on Spotify. No, not on Spotify. Anyway, SoundCloud. I'll stop. Read the notice sheet. It's in there. Um, this morning, we're going to look at a character out of Esther chapter 3 uh, called Heyman. Uh, and so, actually, he wasn't a very nice person. If you can think of pantomime buddies, you know... Who would be the worst baddie from a pantomime or a film that you can think of? Nobody watched any films or seen any pantomime. So, sorry, the child catcher from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Oh, giddy witty winkies. Oh, okay, bit creepy that. Um, yeah, any, any other suggestions? Captain Hook. Okay, Captain Hook. Um, Batman. Okay, Jake, right. But those pantomime baddies, you know, they come on the stage and people love to boo, they love to hiss. You know, if I got up this morning and you booed and hissed, it wouldn't have the same effect. I would probably cry and walk out. Um, but actually, you know, we love, we love a story with a bad guy in it because in reality, we know that either the bad guy in the story is going to get their comeuppance or they're going to suddenly change and become a good guy, like Scrooge in Christmas Carol, you know? Becomes the good guy. He realises he's still got time to make a change, you know? So this morning we could be thinking, of oh, he's behind you, oh no, he isn't, or I'll get you and your little dog too. We could do that, you know? Baddies are a good part of any story, or maybe for someone like, you know, Mary, it's Cybermen and Daleks, you know? Or, or the master, Okay. But if Esther was a pantomime, today we see who the bad guy is. If Esther was a pantomime story, we would see who the bad guy is. But this ain't no pantomime. This is reality. This is reality. This isn't some comical bad guy who comes along to spice up the story. This is real life. This is reality. This is fact. A person who was probably, as we read this, he, he comes across as probably one of the most evil human beings that has ever existed. And that's a judgment call. But actually, when you see what he does, it's quite horrendous. And actually, he's no pantomime buddy. He is just a buddy. He is just somebody who actually is all about being bad. Not about booing and hissing, but about fear and dread. About scheming. About evil plans. And actually, about a situation where one man lets his self get in front of everything else. And when we come to our problems in life, a lot of our problems are always caused by ourselves, by ourself getting in the way of everything else. And so we're going to look at Esther chapter 3. I am going to read it from the message this version. I've made sure my Bible is turned on to the right version. So Esther chapter 3, I'm going to read the whole passage and then we're going to carry on uh, with looking at Haman. Sometime later, again it starts with sometime later, there's a gap between chapters. This is not immediate action following action. Esther has been chosen as queen and then we get sometime later. King Xerxes promoted Haman, son of Hamadatha, the the Agagite, making him the highest ranking official in the government. 
All the king's servants at the king's gate used to honour him by bowing down and kneeling before Haman. That is what the king had commanded. Except Mordecai. Remember from last week, Mordecai was hanging around near the palace to, to keep an eye on Esther, to make sure she was safe. And Mordecai was in this area where he was commanded to bow before Haman. Except Mordecai wouldn't do it. He wouldn't bow down and kneel. And the king's servants at the king's gate asked Mordecai about it. Why do you cross the king's command? Day after day they spoke to him about this, but he wouldn't listen. So they went to Haman to see whether something shouldn't be done about it. Mordecai had told them that he was a Jew. That's interesting, isn't it? Because when we saw last week, Esther and Mordecai, they were keeping it on the down low. Don't tell King Xerxes you're a Jew. Don't tell him your background. And here we see they know Mordecai is a Jew, and yet still he's going checking up on Esther. When Haman saw for himself that Mordecai didn't bow down and kneel before him, he was outraged. It says in the message version, it says in the other version, it was fury. He burned with fury. Meanwhile, having learned that Mordecai was a Jew, listen to this verse. Haman hated to waste his fury on just one Jew. That's evil, isn't it? He, somebody disrespects him, but he hates to waste his anger on just one person. He hated to waste his fury on just one Jew. He looked for a way to eliminate not just Mordecai, but all Jews throughout the whole kingdom of Xerxes. In the first month, the month of Nisan, on the 12th year of Xerxes, didn't know they had cars then, but anyway. On the, on, on the, sorry. Of the 12th year of Xerxes, the pure, that is the lot, in other words, that was the name for the lot, was cast under Haman's charge to determine the propitious, propitious day and month. In other words, the right day and month. The lot turned up the 13th day of the 12th month, which is the month of Adar. Lots of names in here, isn't there? Haman then spoke with King Xerxes. There is an odd set of people. <laughs> okay, I could say that about Spring Mountain Church, couldn't they? There is an odd set of people. There is an odd set of people scattered through the provinces of your kingdom who don't fit in. Their customs and ways are different from those of everybody else. Worse, they disregard the king's laws. They are an affront. The king shouldn't put up with them. If it please the king, let orders be given that they be destroyed. I'll pay for it myself. I'll deposit 375 tons of silver in the royal bank to finance the operation. <laughs> this man is not a pantomime buddy. He is opposition and evil. The king slipped his signet ring from his hand and gave it to Haman, son of Hamadatha the Agagite, arch enemy of the Jews. Go ahead, the king said to Haman. It's your money. Do whatever you want with those people. I'm going to stop there. You get the image of what's going on here, yeah? Perspective. Perspective. One swallow doesn't make a summer. That's correct, isn't it? Who last week on Monday and Tuesday were thinking, oh, great, turn the central heating off, yeah? Who, who turned their central heating off at the beginning of last week? Anyone? You've not had it on. Ian's still wearing his shorts and T-shirt. He wonders why he's got a cold. But anyway, no, anyway. <laughs> Francis? You put your shorts and t-shirt on, okay? I was thinking, great, I can switch it off. And then Thursday came, and it was like, no, it's cold. We'll keep it on. And actually, on Saturday, I put it on for all day, and I wasn't even in the house. I was being very generous. I want to just publicly... No, I don't want the glory. Okay. <laughs> One week of good weather doesn't mean we can suddenly disregard the fact that we are still in February and March. 
One thing doesn't make that big a difference. But why is it that one person or one circumstance or one incident can have such a negative impact on us? You know, if you, who's had toothache recently? Obviously not Rachel. You know, that would be, that would be wrong. Anyone had toothache recently? That one tooth that's hurting, how does it make you feel? Yeah? It makes you feel horrendous. It disabilitates, is that debilitates, that's the right. Debilitates everything in you, doesn't it? Because that one tooth is maybe rotten or maybe needs some work doing on it. One tooth aching makes us immobile or one splinter in our finger can take our mind off our healthy everything else. And we can focus on that one thing that just causes us so much pain. Are you with me? You know, Roz at the moment has got a bad back and I know that everything in her is probably not focusing on it, but actually it's so hard because actually it's there, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? One thing shouldn't stop us from focusing on everything else because that is why we take action. When one thing does it, we take action. That's perspective, isn't it? Perspective, but that one thing shouldn't make us realize, shouldn't make us think I'm falling apart. Shouldn't make us think that everything's going wrong. Shouldn't make us think that actually there's no hope. We just need to take action on that one thing. The perspective is important. And in this passage, we see Haman, just one Jew. One Jew deflates his ego criticizes maybe or refuses to do what they ask them to do one person refuses and Haman's response is I don't want to waste my fury on just that one man I'm going to wipe his entire nation out what a disproportionate reaction that is what a totally wrong action that is but one thing should not be our entire focus other than Jesus Haman's reaction is, one man disobeys me, everyone will pay. Everyone will pay. Is that our reaction when people upset us? One person has upset me, so do you know what? I'm going to take it out on everybody. I'm going to take, I'm going to take it out on everybody. You know, that's, that can be the reaction sometimes, can't it, if we're honest. If we're honest, one person can do something that causes us an issue And so everybody else is going to know about it. Everybody else is going to suffer from it. But actually, we need perspective. You know, maybe not all people who drive in the middle lane should be banned from driving. You know, I say maybe, but maybe, maybe, just maybe, there's a reason why they're there. Maybe they just haven't noticed that they're not overtaking anything and they can pull in. Maybe they haven't realised they're going at a different speed to the people in the left-hand lane and they're not going to catch that person for another hour but actually, just maybe, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Well, oh, here we go. Anyway. <laughs> maybe when the bass player won't stop playing when you ask them to, you take it out on all their family. Oh, sorry. Sorry, okay, right. Anyway, sorry everybody else, I do apologise. First point this morning. Be careful where our anger and jealousy takes us. Be careful about making a response in the middle of our anger or our upset or our jealousy. Verse 7, it talks about pure, pure, if you like, the lot. And you've heard, some of you have been through school, certainly in this area, they talk about the festival, the Feast of Purim, which is the celebration of this story. 
Purim is the, is the plural term of this word pure. So in other words, it's a festival really of the lots. It's nothing to do with Askham, okay? It's the festival of the lots. It's the festival of almost of chance. The time that Haman chooses to pick on the Jews is not accidental. Even though it's like throwing a dice. When should we do it? Throw a dice, we'll do it in that month. I tell you why it's not accidental. And we've mentioned, haven't we, that God isn't mentioned in the story of Esther. But God is all over the story of Esther. Even though we can't see him actually being verbally mentioned, what is the festival of Purim? It's in the same month as the Passover feast. At the time when God's people are going to be under threat and destruction, they can cast their minds back in the same month to a time when God has already rescued them once. God has already saved them. God has already sent away. And they can remember at that very time when they are going to be threatened with destruction and wipe out. God has come through before. God has been with them before. God is there. God is constantly with them and he still is. Haman thinks he's choosing this thing by total luck. But God is divine. God is sovereign. This choice isn't by chance. And when you think in your life that things are just happening by chance, don't. Sometimes things just happen. But actually ask yourself, God, where are you in this? God, what are you teaching me? Are you a pessimist or an optimist? You know? A pessimist looks at something and says, oh, no, you know, I'm going to run out. And an optimist goes, oh, don't worry. It's like the, the story of the two boys, I think, who on Christmas morning, uh, they open their present, and it's a joint present, and they open their present, and it's a, it's a pile of horse manure. And the pessimist goes, oh, flipping it. What am I going to do with that? The optimist says, great, there must be a pony in here somewhere. Okay? <laughs> you know, there must be a pony in here somewhere. It's got to be there. Do we see a situation of opposition and struggle and think, that's it, I'm done? Do we see a situation where we think, I'm going to run the other way? Or do we see a situation and think, God, I know that no matter what happens, you're with me. God, I know that you are the God who can grow me. You are the God who can protect me and shape me. And you are the God that can change my perspective. You're a God who can change my perspective, but I need, God, your strength, and I need, God, your presence. That is what this story is teaching us, that actually Haman thought it was just a lucky roll of the dice, but God said, no, I want it then because I want to remind my people that I will come through for them. I am with them. I will never forsake them. I will always be there. I will always love them. You know, The pessimist would look at the situation where we stand and go, God's not going to come through. The person who trusts in God would say, God, I hand it over to you. I cast my cares to you. Which attitude will we take? Be careful how we react in anger. Haman's response to his situation was a desire to wipe out everybody, to take it out on everybody. You know, he could have had a simple discussion with Mordecai and said, Mordecai, why are you not following the king's law? And Mordecai could have said, well, Haman, it's like this. I'm a Jew, and my religion forbids me to bow down before anyone other than God. And Haman could have gone, okay, let's explain that to everybody so they don't think it's a trend. And And actually, there could have been a constructive conversation, couldn't there? But there wasn't. Haman's ego was bruised, and he lashed out at everybody. How are we at responding to our circumstances 
to our emotions and everything else. First point, be careful how you react in anger and when you're hurt. Second point, be careful about where you fit in. You know, it says, doesn't it, there was an odd group of people. There was an odd group of people scattered across the nation. If I said this morning, who's normal? I think we did this not so long ago, didn't we? Most of us would think we are pretty normal, but we're not. None of us are. We are an odd group of people scattered across Cumbria or Barrow. You know, there are people here who travel all the way from Bootle. Brilliant. You know, I, I went, Bootle, it's a long way. I'm not saying you're odd because I think, I think it's brilliant. But actually, we're scattered far, far afield, aren't we? We are scattered across our town, our district, and we are scattered across our community. And many people think we might be odd. If I said to you this morning, would you like to fit in? Are you somebody who likes to fit in? I think there'd be a percentage of us, about 90% of us, that would say, if we were honest, yeah, I like to fit in. I don't really like to stand out. I don't like to be people making a fuss. You know, I want to tell you a little story about fitting in. I was asked about 10 years ago to a 40th birthday party. It was fancy dress. Me and Roz, I hadn't known the people very long, and me and Roz were invited to a fancy dress party, and they said, you've got to come dressed as something from the 70s. So if I said to you, come as dressed as something from the 70s, what would you come as? Shout something out. Abba. Abba. There was a lot of people dressed as Abba. Very, very good. Okay, any other thoughts? Elvis Presley. Elvis Presley. Go on, Bobby. Jimi Hendrix, all of these options are from the 70s and really good. I went to a fancy dress shop because it was last minute, it was the Saturday itself, and I thought, I haven't got anything. I haven't got any big kipper ties I can put on. I haven't got flares. I haven't got anything like that. What can I go as that's from the 70s? So I went to the fancy dress shop, and they didn't have anything other than this costume, which there should be a picture of coming up on the screen, okay? Hopefully. It is there, isn't it? Otherwise, otherwise I'm, uh, the, the point is made, Okay. <laughs> Now, is Orville the Duck from the 70s? Yes, I got the rip taken out of me. They're like, why have you come as Orville the Duck? The beauty of it was I could keep my head on all night and they didn't really know who I was, okay? And actually, some people were unsure even afterwards. But I went as Orville the Duck. Why? Because it was the only thing that was left. Did I stand out that night? Yes, I did. (laughs) Was I hot? Yes, I was. (laughs) <laughs> and not in the way you're thinking, okay? Not that you think that. Uh, well, anyway, was, was I hot? Yes, I was hot. But was it good when they did the funky chicken? Yes, it was. It was brilliant. But I stood out. And actually, you might look, it's quite embarrassing, really, the fact that I've even shown you that. But that is awful. Is he from the 70s? Yes, he is. But he's not everybody's idea of what I should have gone as. I did not fit in, and people still talked about it, even last year when I was leaving school as part of one of the funniest things they've ever seen. You should have sympathy for Roz, who came with me just dressed quite normally, and had to sit with me most of the night, so there we go. <laughs> we are an... <laughs> People don't like to stand out. I think I'm probably different, but I am... I am an odd person. I didn't fit in, but I thought it was hilarious. Until I got there dressed as Orville. I thought it was funny, but I was an odd people. You know, God's people are not called to fit in. 
This is proof of it here. They didn't fit in. Their customs were different. Their culture was different. God's people were not called to fit in. But can I tell you this? When you don't fit in, not everybody will see you as odd. Think of what the church and Christians have done over time. You know, remember where the heart of this is coming from. The heart of this is coming from a man who is angry, who is full of hatred, who is full of himself because the ego was dented. This view of God's people is not coming from the right place. Perspective. You know, some people will go, oh, Christians are weird. People who go to church are weird. It's a bit like the five blind people who encounter an elephant. And one of them feels its legs and thinks it's one thing. One of them feels its trunk and thinks it's another. One of them feels its ears. They have a different perspective on it because their experience is different. Not everybody who encounters God's people will think they're odd because not everybody is full of hatred like Haman. Not everybody is full of anger like Haman. Not everybody has been damaged or hurt like Haman. Think of it. Christians, perspective is crucial. Haman had no fear. Sorry, Mordecai had no fear because he knew God was with him. So even though Mordecai should have bowed, he had no fear because his perspective was, God is with me. God is with me. Haman wanted power and respect. Not earned, but just because he wanted it. Just because. Mordecai's perspective on this was strength in God. Haman's perspective in this was insecurity and fear. As Christians, we can always take the first perspective because we have a strength in Christ. The hope of glory. The hope of glory. You know, Somebody posted yesterday, I think it might have been Jackie, Jackie Moore, posted, hurt people, hurt people. Hurt people, hurt people. That is Haman all over, isn't it? He has been wronged, he has been hurt. So what's he going to do? He's going to hurt people. He's going to do the same before it happens again to him. And yet, God's people are not always seen as odd people. Why do I know that? Because if it wasn't for Christians in the church, we might not have schools. If it wasn't for Christians in the church, we might not have had health care and hospitals. If it wasn't for church people and Christians, we might not have orphanages. Because actually the first pioneers in those fields were people who were Christians and they were kind, they were loving, they were gracious, they were compassionate, they were giving, they were joyful. All of those things. Why? Because Christ was their perspective. There was their strength. But there will always be some people coming at us and coming at you with the wrong perspective who think you're odd who think you're strange who think you're crazy so the first thing is be careful how you act in anger and your emotions second thing is be careful how let me go back to my notes <laughs> careful about where you fit in is it that important it's more important that you fit in God's family and you know what everybody can fit in God's family so nobody stands out because everybody fits in third point Be careful how we use our money. Careful how we use our finances. Because this. Haman said, I will pay 375 tons of silver into a bank so that I can have my way. So that I can destroy people. Any idea how much 375 tons were? Just for those who think visually, 375 tons of silver is the equivalent of 28 double-decker buses filled with passengers. 28 double-decker buses filled with passengers worth of silver. That's a lot of silver. 
If you look in the NIV version, it talks about 10,000 talents of silver. Well, we can discover that the Persian Empire's annual spend or income was 15,000 talents of silver. That's two-thirds of the income of one massive empire. And Haman is so full of hate, so full of anger, he wants to deposit all that so he can hurt and damage people. But from God's perspective, Mordecai does the right thing. Mordecai does the right thing. Then we see in this passage, the king slipped his signet ring from his hand and gave it to Haman. The king gives his signet ring. Do you know what that means? The king gave his ring. It means he's given permission to rule. He can sign documents because the signet ring signs it for the king. The king in this story gives permission for Haman to rule, to have authority, to have power. Permission to rule, permission to be part of the hierarchy. Do whatever you want. We see again, he said this the other week, didn't he? Do whatever you want. Have as much as you want to drink. Eat whatever you like. Have, have fun. And we live in a society in a world that says, do whatever you like, whatever makes you happy, whatever makes you happy, do it. Yeah? Well, those people who are doing whatever they think makes them happy, you find most of them aren't very happy. So actually, it doesn't make you happy to do whatever you want. But God says, come to me and I will give you rest. Jesus came that we might have life and joy to the full. Not do whatever you want and it will make you happy. The king in this story gives Haman the permission to rule. I don't know about you, but as I read that bit, I was reminded of the story of the prodigal son. Yeah? Prodigal son says to his dad, I want all my money now. <laughs> Again, money is at the center of it. I want all my money now and I wish you were dead effectively. Give me my inheritance. And what does the dad do? Here you go. Have the money. What did the prodigal son do? He wasted it trying to fit in. He wasted his money trying to fit in with the party crowd. He wasted his money trying to fit in with the people. He thought we're going to bring him joy. And ultimately, in the end of that story, or before he comes back home, he realizes where home is. He realizes where happiness lives. He realizes where joy is complete. And he realizes that all those things he thought he was spending his money on were not the answer or the solution to any of his problems. Luke chapter 15 says this at the end of the story, verses 22 to 24. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. You know, there's two differences in this story. In the Esther story, Haman is given a ring to signify power and authority. In the story of the prodigal son, the son is given a ring which signals authority. But he's given sandals and he's given a robe. He's given not just hierarchy and importance of position, but he's given things that show he belongs to a family. He's given things that show he belongs to a family. Not just a power, but belonging to a family. You can go out from these doors today and you can search for things that will give you power and authority or a position of hierarchy, but the only place you're going to find the things that bring you into a family are in Christ. It's a fact. How do I know? Because I've experienced it. I've been through both in some ways. The things the world is looking for don't lead to celebration. They lead to sadness. They lead to loss. 
They lead to anxiety. They lead to paranoia. You know, we as a church are working with people who are struggling with substances, and yet still we go out on the town with street angels and we see people who think that the answer to their problems is to get out of their faces. And that's not a judgment call, it's a sadness thing, because actually those substances doesn't make them happy. Doesn't make them happy. Puts them in danger, gives them a position of weakness. But God says, I've come to bring you life. Perspective. Do you want to belong to a group? Or do you want to belong to a family? Because that's the choice. That's the choice we see in this story. Haman wants to belong to a group. He wants to be a king. He wants to be a ruler. He wants to be in power. Mordecai belongs to a family, to a nation that has God as its ultimate power, as the ultimate power. Do you want to have a house or do you want to have a home? Do you want to have property or do you want to have a person? Do you want to have a position or do you want to be part of something? Do you want to be part of something that moves and is special and is growing? The ring meant that Haman could sign and deliver the king's communications. He had permission to speak for the king. This morning, if you are gods, we have permission to speak for and to the king of kings. And he signs and seals our lives with his Holy Spirit. Not just a ring. He seals it with his person, with his presence. And yet we go seeking after everything else. It's more of his presence we need. This chapter ends with a cliffhanger. The word goes out from Mordecai to all the nation saying, we're going to annihilate the Jews. And it's going to happen on this day. You know, the New Testament says the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. Sound familiar? Sounds the same. Mordecai, Haman, sorry, Haman is the thief. He's sending out an order to destroy. Slip of the tongue there. It wasn't Mordecai, he was the good guy. Nobody corrected me, I was seeing if you were awake. But through the lens of Jesus, we could stop at that cliffhanger and we could go, oh no, oh no, where is God? We could stop at that and go, no, everything's going wrong. Esther's in the palace, Mordecai's outside and all of the Jews are going to be destroyed and that's going to be it. But we have the benefit of perspective. Through Jesus, we have a new lens because in this story, we know it ends with salvation. This story ends with salvation and your story can end with salvation because Jesus came to bring life. We know what happens next in the story and that's not a bad perspective to have, is it? We know what, when you know what happens next, that's a good perspective, isn't it? So long as the ending is a good ending. And in this story, the ending is a good ending. We could stop at chapter three and go, oh no, where is God? Oh no, what's going to happen? This is all going to end badly. But we know there is victory. Jesus came to win victory for every single one of us in this room. He came for us to win victory over addiction. He came to win victory over sin. He came to win victory over substances. He came to win victory over oppression. He came to win victory over death, over pain, over hell and more. Thank you. I'm glad somebody's excited about that. Because the New Testament says we are more than conquerors. If you're a conqueror, you're you're a winner. The Bible says you're more than a winner through Christ. Not just more than a winner. You're more than a winner through Christ. So why do we sometimes already start out as if we're defeated? Why do we start from a position of defeat, from saying it's not going to work? The Bible says the end result is Jesus saves. The Bible says the end result is Jesus wins. 
The Bible tells me that the end result is there is hope. But do you know what? That's not just in the Bible. I see that in the lives of people who trust in God. I see that in my own life, that God can have the victory over things that have held me, over chains that have bound me, over things that have held me back, over things that have stopped me from really giving my all to God. Jesus has the victory. All it takes is us being willing to give him the problem. All it takes is us being willing to, to see the, that he walks through the valley of the shadow of death. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 8 to 9, and I'm nearly finished. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Is that true of you this morning? Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Esther, Mordecai, did not see God in this situation necessarily, but they were filled with his inexpressible and glorious joy. Why? Because you are receiving the end result of your faith. What's the end result of your faith? Salvation. Salvation. You're saved. You're rescued. Who doesn't want to be rescued? Every fairy story involves a rescue. This isn't a fairy tale. This is reality. God rescues us through Christ Jesus so that we can have inexpressible joy. If our future is just being left to the hand of luck and throwing the dice, do whatever we want. An inexpressible joy will be as far from us as the east is from the west. Which would you rather have, inexpressible joy or desperate times? Doesn't mean there'll be hard times or easy times. Perspective. What is the perspective as I finish? Jesus wins. What is the perspective as I finish? He is hope. He is joy. He is peace. Whatever the storm of life, whatever the situation, choose Jesus. Back a winner. Let's get perspective this morning into our situations and see it all from him and through him. And then we'll start to live in the victory that he can bring. So we're going to worship God some more. We're going to take communion. The communion symbolizes and signifies the victory Jesus has given. It's already given. And I want you to respond in prayer this morning. If you're in a situation that you feel is a battle... I want you to come and receive prayer. And it might be really difficult to do that this morning. It might be really hard. It might not be an easy step to take. But I believe that as we bring it to God, he will start to strengthen and move through us. If faith as small of a mustard seed can move mountains, then let's have some of that little faith that says, I'm going to step forward and I'm going to say, God, I need you. Maybe you've never known Jesus in your life. Maybe you've never given it to him. Do it this morning. Don't delay. Someone who comes, if you come forward to pray, someone will lead you in a prayer that can give that life to God.